Good afternoon. It's Rubina Ahmed Huck filling in again for Jeff MacArthur. Thank you so much for joining us today on this Friday. It's Friday, yay. The weekend is here. Well, just a couple of hours away. The weekend uh, where we're going to see the Blue Jays open for the first time, first home opener in three years here on home turf, here in Toronto. So it's a really exciting day for Ontario. It's a really exciting day for Canada. And it's definitely a really exciting day for Blue Jays fans across the globe, really. Um, we've got a really packed show today. Um, as you know, I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck. I'm filling in for Jeff MacArthur. I filled in yesterday and we talked mostly about the budget. But today we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to get budget reaction for sure because there was so much in the budget to unpack when it comes to health care and housing and what it means to your bottom line. We're going to talk about the Blue Jays' home opener. Uh, we got some unemployment numbers today, and they are the best on record. We've never had unemployment this low since record-keeping began. So that I found really interesting, uh, obviously beating where we were uh, before the pandemic, more people working uh, before the pandemic than ever before since, since data started being collected. And speaking of working... A company, a tech company, has found a really clever way to separate themselves from other companies when it comes to attracting the top talent. They're doing something called reverse references. So I'm going to explain what that means. I'm going to have somebody from that company on talking about what reverse references are, how they think that's going to attract the top talent, and how you can ask for a reverse reference if you're a job seeker and you want to find out a little bit more about the company that you're going to be working for. And we're going to also have a nutrition tips, tips rather, for Muslims who are fasting during Ramzan. So this is uh, the holy month of Ramzan for Muslims and many people who are fasting may be wondering, you know, what should you be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, and what you can do to make sure that you're staying healthy during this time. Uh, I wanted to start off the show uh, with the budget, and I want to bring in our guest, Dr. Catherine Smart. She's the president of Canadian Medical Association, and she lives in Whitehorse in the Yukon. Hi, Dr. Smart. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me today. I wanted to start by asking, you know, we got the budget yesterday. There was a lot in there. What's your reaction from your healthcare perspective uh, to, to what was in the, the budget when it comes to healthcare in Canada? Well, you know, I think we were definitely hoping to see more commitments to systems transformation, which we see is so needed right now to bring our healthcare system back on track. We thought there was some good signals, you know, certainly the priorities the government identified were in line with things we have been talking to them about and other healthcare groups have been advocating about. But I don't think it went far enough to really show the monetary investment to advance on those priorities. There were other things that were positive. You know, we certainly recognize the importance of social determinants of health in terms of the healthy status of Canadians and things like housing and dental care are really important. Um, it was good to see the, the commitment we had already heard about for the $2 billion in backlogs. But I think ultimately we were hoping for more in the budget uh, to really help us bring our healthcare system back on track and address the human health workforce crisis that has really escalated during the pandemic. Yeah, and what more are you, are you hoping? I mean, there's still time. There's budgets that still need to be revealed. There's still money that can be um, spent on healthcare. What more are you hoping that the government recognizes needs uh, that needs more attention and more money needs to be spent on? 
There's many areas, but some of our key priorities are are around human health resource planning. You know, I think all Canadians have been hearing about the crisis we have with health workers. Um, It's seriously impacting our hospitals. We don't have a health human resource plan for the country. Uh, So without that, what we're finding is we just don't have the bodies to provide the care. So if we don't get serious about planning for that, that's going to have, you know, ongoing downstream implications. We really want to see the federal government lead a plan to get that back on track. And the other really pressing crisis is in primary care, you know, with over 5 million doctor or pardon me, people without a family doctor. Um, we've really been pushing the government to work with us around what can be done there, investments for more doctors, more integrated primary health care teams, and really looking at that system of primary care. The, the way it's organized is very antiquated. It's not working. It's not working for doctors other healthcare professionals or patients. Um, and without that, we really are preventing people from accessing that front door of the healthcare system. So there's many other priorities, but for us, those are two really critical ones that are going to impact Canadians very directly. One of the things we've heard so much about during the pandemic is the backlog of non-emergency medical care. Um, in, in many cases, surgeries that um, have life-altering effects are, are cancelled because there simply aren't, like you said, bodies, people to actually make it happen. Um, can you tell us more about some of the impacts the, the pandemic has had that maybe we don't understand, those of us who don't work in the healthcare system? Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, so much of what we're seeing in the news is directly about COVID and not to underestimate that because those impacts have been profound and many Canadians have both lost their lives and and suffered in serious ways. But many other Canadians have experienced very significant impacts on their health that aren't always on the front page. And, you know, we're hearing about backlogs, but I think, you know, the dialogue around that is sometimes misleading. You know, these things are termed elective surgeries. They're really not elective. These are serious operations, things like hip and knee replacements, you know, cancer surgeries that have been delayed. Um, sometimes organ transplant surgery. So these are Canadian people behind those numbers that are really suffering, experiencing incredible levels of stress and anxiety and pain and and dysfunction as they wait for those operations. And then the other piece is we've had just a huge backlog in people being able to access chronic care services. So we're starting to see that impact on our hospitals with people showing up that have had other illnesses neglected. We've seen a huge drop off on cancer screening, almost 35%. So, you know, those people are going to show up eventually and they're going to need care. And the worry is their disease is going to be more advanced, which is going to impact, of course, them and require more resources to sort out their concerns. And then we have the growing mental health crisis, opioid crisis, So there are many, many health implications of this pandemic um, that are long-reaching. And right now, the big concern I think we have on the front lines is we don't have the resources to make sure that they're addressed in the way they should be. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck filling in for Jeff MacArthur, and we're speaking to Dr. Smart, the president of the Canadian Medical Association, about her reaction to the budget and also what more needs to be done to, to fix our ailing health care system. I mean, even from their own estimate, Dr. Smart, they say 700,000 surgeries and other medical procedures um, have been delayed because of the pandemic. Um, I know from my own perspective, I have two children, and they have not seen their pediatrician since 2020. We've had some virtual visits. Um, I have had to go into a walk-in clinic. I've had to take them to my own family doctor because the pediatrician was simply not available. And that's something that uh, I didn't have to experience before every six months. You know, we went, we had a follow-up. There was something, there was always something going on and it was very easy to access them. As a pediatrician yourself, what are you seeing in clinic right now? How how kids' health is being managed uh, because of the pandemic? 
Well, I think what you've experienced is a common experience of many Canadians who have found it challenging to access their doctor. And I think different doctors' offices have put in different protocols and have had different balances between in-person and virtual care. And I think we're still figuring that out. And in some cases, we haven't found the right balance and people are struggling to be able to see their doctor in person, which at sometimes is very important. You know, virtual care is a great tool, but it's a tool that can't be isolated from in-person care. And many things that we do with patients need to be in front of us. You know, I, I just did a, a clinic yesterday in a rural community in the Yukon, and I'm seeing a whole range of concerns. Uh, lots of mental health concerns, worsening obesity because of kids being sedentary, you know, parents with a lot of anxieties around how to move forward with the pandemic and the rising cases of COVID, especially families who don't have access to vaccination because their children are under five. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot more issues with eating disorders and complex mental health problems in our youth that, again, we're really struggling to get the resources for. So it's, it's a big challenge. I really worry about children and youth, and I worry about parents who I, I think have, have borne a huge brunt of the stress and anxiety in this pandemic. Um, and again, you know, we need more resources to make sure that we're getting kids and families on the right track. I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Smart. I mean, the impact that's had, um, even from my own family's perspective, I mean, we things that I would never let go by the wayside, I've just said, you know, I'll just deal with that later. You know, sometimes where you need even a mental health day, just do it later uh, because there's just simply not enough hands and people to help you with your children. Um, thank you so much uh, for coming on the program today and for sharing your thoughts on the budget and everything else that's going on with our healthcare system. Uh, have a great day, Dr. Smart. You too. Thanks so much. That was Dr. Catherine Smart. She's the president of the Canadian Medical Association. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back right after some news. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.